Welcome to In Search of the Mind of God. We invite you to search with us the mind of God. When searching His Word, we can always be sure of our salvation will not be used on man's ideas or false feelings. It will never be our purpose to promote any denominational doctrine of any religious group. Man is fallible. God is not. This program is brought to you by the Port St. Lucie Church of Christ. We are located at 384 East Midway Road here in White City, Florida. This program contains previous recordings from Joe Wilson, who graduated from this life in 2018. We invite you to join us for worship. Personal Bible study is available, and we propose to know nothing among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. men of business the only way that you can determine success is by the lot of things which usually include three things they discuss they either gain break even or lose it's sad that man would spend his entire life and always be worried about the things of this world. Because the things these worlds are going to give us and the opportunities of this world will pass away as quickly as it can. It's sad to be caught up in the trivials, never getting around to the most important thing that we should be determined. Jesus was the one who said in Mark the 16th chapter, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Our definition of success, our goals are never defined by just anybody. They're defined by circumstance, parents, education, business involvement, and God. One will dominate and the rest will serve that master. When a man goes to die, he will reflect on life and what he defines and what he sees as defined by his life, determined if it was successful or unsuccessful. If we look at the way of the world, if you die with a lot of money or if you die owning a lot of land, or multiple houses, it would seem that in this world you've been successful. Or if you die in comfort, or with those around you that love you, this will bring as great a care and worth to a lot of people as anything else. But the thing that most people don't concern themselves is if they die with or without God. When you look at life, you've got to look at a few things that you've got to call into conscience. Remembrance. What have I been worth? If I'm going to be a businessman, I'm going to look at assets and liabilities. I'm going to see where I've helped, and I'm going to try to look honestly at where I've hurt. I'm going to try to determine my good and my bad. 
And a lot of times when we look at assets and liabilities, there are many times we never consider the spiritual aspect of our existence. And you know, it's kind of a sad commentary because all of us, you and I included, have to be considered of one of these days we're going to die. And if and when we die, we've got to stand, if we're children of God, before the judgment bar of Christ. Now, if we're not children of God, we'll not stand there. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, the psalmist wrote. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate both day and night. And he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth its fruit in its season. But the unrighteous are not so. For the unrighteous shall not stand in the judgment, nor in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You'd think if there's one psalm people would read, it'd be the first. But they don't even read that. What are my assets and liabilities? How have I helped and how have I hurt? Then another thing is, what attitudes have I left my children? Have I shown them a dogged determination to succeed in spite of any odds? Have I caused them to know that it is something they can do if they will apply themselves to overcome the situations in life? Have I shown them by my life the selfish indulgence that a lot of people have? How many toys I've got or how much joy I see a commercial on TV all the time. It's kind of repugnant to me. There's this old gray-headed man with a gray beard, and he's got a couple of young women around him that are young enough to be his grandchildren, not only his children. And he says, you got to drink all you want, my friend. And I look at him, and I said, old man, you're so used up, you wouldn't know what a bottle is worth. Selfish indulgence. Have I satisfied myself to the destruction of everything or everybody else around me? Have I taught that to my children? Are they seeing that as the example that I set before them? Or one I think that is just as despicable, have I given them the idea that they should feel sorry for themselves? And it's always somebody else's fault and never theirs that causes them not to succeed. What have I been worth? What have I shown them by the example of the way I'm living and have lived? What did they see in me that will cause them to live the way they do? Or do I want someone to follow my example? There's a lot of us that don't want our children to make the same mistakes we've made. And we do everything we can to teach them to never make the same mistake that we've made. Hopefully, we'll be successful in getting them to do that. But you see, over life and in time, they're going to. They have the same propensities. They followed us as examples. 
they've seen our selfish indulgence. And a lot of times they've noticed that we've blamed all of our problems on somebody else instead of ourselves. And so they'll make the same mistake that we make. What have I shown them to define a hero? A lot of people have got some strange heroes in this world today. Guy came out the other day that plays basketball, and he tells everybody he's a homosexual. They made him a hero. The news media has cast him to the forefront as someone who was finally honest with the world. And yet we got this old boy that's supposed to serve God, they've made fun of, who tries to play football. And he's not a Christian, but he does try to take a stand for decency and right. And they've mocked and made fun of him to the extent and ridiculed him to a place that nobody wants to be like him. It used to be we wanted to be like Mike. Now we want to be like the homosexuals. So what have I defined as a hero? How have I taught my children to live? Do I want them to follow my example in feeling sorry for myself because I can't succeed? Do I want my self-indulgence to be something that they catch and watch and always satisfy me before I do anything else? Or do I want to teach them a dogged determination to succeed in spite of all odds? Now, when you look at life correctly, you'll find out that parenting has a value and a worth. And whatever that value and worth is, is shown in the children that we leave behind. Or when I die, what kind of a degree of attainment have I gained? Somebody says, well, you know, I had my master's degree. Somebody else says, well, I got my doctorate. Somebody says, well, I got my post-doctorate. Somebody says, well, I have my post-post-post-doctorate. And that's supposed to be the way you can determine attainment. Somebody says, well, I got a couple million dollars in the bank. Somebody else says, well, I got 20 million. So you just keep running the gamut. What kind of attainment, though, do you want your children to see? We used to sing this song. I'd rather live in a deep, dark cave and know that my poor soul was saved than to live in this world with all of its silver and gold and deny my God and lose my soul. What kind of attainment? Does the attainment that you leave your children add up to Add to your faith, virtue, temperance, knowledge, patience. Is that the attainment that your children have seen in your life? Have you gained by degrees in your spiritual warfare that they, in seeing the way you lived, can be satisfied with the fact that you ever increasingly became more godly in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, the problem is you've got to have faith before you can add to it, don't you? There's a lot of people that don't even try, try to show children faith. They're too busy. 
You know, we define a lot of things by the way we want them to be. Faith is sometimes defined as forsaking all I trust him. Otherwise, we don't have much trust in God because the way we define faith is forsaking all I tell him what I want. If he doesn't do what I want, then I lose my faith and I deny the Lord. And if I'm determining my success when I stand before the judgment bar of Christ, what have I been worth to my children? What have I taught them by my example? There's a lot of times when people live many years They've been able to show many things that they can prove that has caused them to be of worth. And then there's some people that don't seem to have had any worth at all, but they leave to their children something that is far more than money. Oh, you know, a lot of times if all you do is leave money, you just leave something to fight over. I was in a place the other day where they actually had a knockdown drag out at a funeral home. Two brothers got in it over a $5,000 gift. There's four different times that I've seen times of fathers and mothers that couldn't get along, and they decided it'd be better for them if they went their own way instead of living as God had commanded and serving God so that their children could have the opportunity of having a mother and a father in a home. There's other times that I've seen people think themselves as a self-sacrifice in trying to do something that was impossible to do. But the thing that I leave my children is how I'll stand before the judgment bar of Christ. Look, I've often been taught dogs fight, Christians don't. And as we live our lives from day to day, we should have the opportunity to use this as a standard of living that will cause us to be obedient to God. My life, hopefully, can be an insurance policy. It's a way that I can make sure that those whom I cared for have been taken care of. When our children became existent, came into this world, my wife and I determined to give them back to God as he gave them to us. Now, friend, that's a mouthful. And the longer you live, the more you know the difficulty that it uh, expresses. But why not? Why isn't it that our goal and determination with everything else set aside is to allow them to have the ultimate possibility of saving their souls. The money that I might give them might last for a little while, and after that, it'll be gone. It may even grow legs and run faster than the heat did from my body when it died. And the direction I have given them for my lives by the example I set may be one that will cause them not to ever want to try to live this way 
as I did because it was too costly as they determined success in this world. But I have never known membership in the church of Christ to take one to hell. And I've never known those who weren't a member of the body of Christ to have the promise of eternal life. So if I'm going to try to be for my children and they whom I have influenced, that that I'm supposed to be, whose advantage am I going to gain? Mine or theirs? Who of you tonight remembers Belshazzar? Anybody remember Belshazzar? You said, well, that's a big name. That must be some foreign dude. Well, it was not only a foreign dude. He was a guy that at one time for a few months was the king of kings. He was the most powerful man in the world. You don't remember too much about Belshazzar? He's the old boy that was pitching a drunk fit one night and drinking his liquor, and he went and got the vessels of worship from the temple of God. And he brought them in, filled them with wine and stuff, and was there drinking them, and all of a sudden a hand appeared on the wall. And the Bible says his knees began to knock. And when the hand had finished writing, it was stating in their language, many, many tinkle you farsen. Now, you and I don't speak that language, and so gladly it's been translated for us. It's translated, thou art weighed, and in the balances found wanting. They sent for old Daniel and came in. Daniel said, yeah, I can tell you what that means. This night thy soul is required of thee. And that night he was killed. You don't remember much about Belshazzar? Well, do you remember the Apostle Paul? Oh, yeah, everybody knows him. Well, let me ask you. As to how you are living your life, as to how you're satisfying your demands for yourself, as to the example you've set, which would think one was a hero? Belshazzar, king of kings, lord of lords. Somebody says, you don't get higher than that. How high can you go just to get to go to hell? Or the apostle Paul, he said, I have no certain dwelling place. I have no clothing. In fact, history records that the apostle probably traveled at night because he had no clothing to wear and his nudity wouldn't show. Jesus, while he was here, he said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his nest. I mean, uh, lay his head. Who was successful? Some say, well, I'm just too involved. I'm too involved to come to Sunday school. I'm too busy, you know. I, 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 I just can't take the time. Or I'm too educated. I don't want to take the time to bring my children to teach them the gospel of Christ. Nah, I, you know, let it go. I mean, years down the road, when they grow older, I'll spend the time with them. Well, as a tree is planted and begins to grow, so shall it be. Now, if you're wise enough and wiser than Solomon, then to raise your child and know the exact moment that you've got to start setting the right example for it, 
Man, I feel sorry for the child. But if you don't, then you better know that every day you live, that child might remember something that will determine the way its life is going to be lived. If you're too society conscious to go to heaven, if you're too busy then to take out the time to make sure you get here on time to teach your child something about the God of heaven, if you're too involved with your own selfishness that you just think nothing else is worth your little bit of rest and relaxation, you've worked hard all week and you just got too many things that are on. You can get to work on time, but when it comes to the cause of Christ, if you get here 30 minutes late, to you that's successful. What are you teaching your children? What's important? When is it important? You know, it's kind of sad, but we're all identical twins where it counts. The body is just temporary. You find in the graveyard that houses our bodies no soul. It's sad. That that we take all of our time for, you kind of leave behind. You leave here. And that that you've not taken time, too selfish. Oh, I'm going to be indulgent. I'll get there when I want to. There ain't no preacher going to tell me when to get there. I'll teach my kids if I want to. If they don't, nobody go. Well, you do all that. And then when you stand before the judgment bar of Jesus Christ, you're going to answer. But we're all twins. We all have a soul and a spirit. We're all identical. And what you do to satisfy the part of your anatomy that you want to be the most happy and satisfied, you'll self-indulge. You'll actually spend some time to stay up at night, maybe, and read a verse of Scripture. You might study something from the Word of God instead of uh, Life magazine, if they still have one. Or you might enjoy hearing the gospel preached more than some uh, song service that they put on on TV. It just might be that if you get your head right and get your heart right, that you might be able to see that you better keep your soul right. For you see, when a person is baptized into Christ, that doesn't cleanse the body. That cleanses the soul. And when you partake of the Lord's Supper, that's not to strengthen the body. That's to strengthen the soul, the inner man. And Paul said, though our outward man perisheth, our inward man must be renewed day by day. Prayer doesn't help your body. Singing songs of praise doesn't help your body. Giving of your means to support the cause of Christ doesn't help anything in the body. And attending, that doesn't help the body. And as we come, if we sit in the services and we're not listening and we're not trying to gain from the information that is given, attendance doesn't help. There's a lot of times that people don't see the past as a canceled check and the future is a promissory note. 
But one of these days, my friend, we're going to have to present all the cash we can come up with to present ourselves before God. And if we've not spent our time and our money wisely, if we've not gained in all the efforts that we have made, we will have either invested in eternity are invested in hell. Let's go on and go one way or the other. The idea that we can be in Christ is actually the land of the beginning again. That's the greatest joy of being in Christ. Every day I can start off anew. Every opportunity I can begin and correct the mistakes I made the day before. I can make myself something that I would never ever consider that I could have been. I can teach myself to talk. I can teach myself what to love. When I first got married to my wife, I'd never eaten rice in my life. We just didn't eat rice at Mama's house. And so when she first started fixing rice, I turned my little fat stubby nose up. I ate it because of the pressure that was on me. And I tried to figure out some way to make it taste like something. I couldn't see how the Chinese and the Japanese had ever made a living on that. But rice and me just didn't get it on. Today, that's one of my favorite foods. What's made the difference? Not what I've gotten used to, but what maybe I've learned to appreciate, but what I have developed a taste to develop. There's a lot of times that people don't get really enthused about coming to the worship services because you can't keep them enthused about going to heaven. And they don't understand that a worship service is just a preamble or a means of determining what it's going to be like for eternity. What do you think you're going to do in heaven? Sit back with the Miller Lite and talk about the, the Vogue magazine? Are you going to talk to your children, children that are sitting around you about how many billions you made in the stock market before somebody stole it from you? What's going to be the value that you've placed on your soul that you've passed on to your children? I was reading the other day, and I ran across a story from Sheffield, England. There was a young man that was there who was working in the armor division of an ironworks factory. And he was working up over this hot plate of iron that was at about 2,000 degrees. And he fell. And when he fell on this red hot armor plate in this ironworks factory, almost instantly, one half of his body was burned to the bone. He was stuck to it. And his cry came out, not called for the doctor. The boy cried to the man that was there hovering over him, holding his hand. And all he could ask is, what must I do to be saved? For you see, the man 
who held his hand. At one time, had been a preacher of the gospel. But he'd learned to drink. He'd learned to curse louder than anybody else. He'd never thought that he needed to teach his boy anything about the salvation of his soul. And the boy had never been instructed. And to hear this cry that he would hear the rest of his life and for all eternity, he had never come to the point of answering his life had closed his lips. I mean, if you're such a mockery before God and what you know you should be and what you are, it's going to cause you not to talk to somebody about their soul. If you're such a hypocrite that you know the person that's going to see it the most is going to be your family or your children, you're not going to be too much around bragging about being in Christ or being a member of the church or preaching the gospel. From what I could find out about this story, this man had been a gospel preacher for 10 or 12 years before this boy had gotten to the age of 12 or 13 when his daddy decided it just wasn't worth his time. He'd talked to other people about the gospel of Christ And he was known for one who knew a little bit about the Bible, but what his child knew, he'd never concerned himself. He was too busy. This man at one time had given up on the Lord, and he'd spend all of his time for himself instead of his family. God would have been inconvenient for him. Yeah, the services wouldn't have started at the time he wanted Because he wanted to serve God, if he served him at all, on his terms. And you just couldn't get through to this guy with the idea that somebody is walking in your footsteps. This man felt the last breath of his son hit his face. Burnt to death. He was weighed. And in the balances found wanting. I knew a fellow once that had talked to a lot of people about the cause of Christ. And he left the church, took his family with him, of course, and went to a place where they wanted to have a crowd. Yeah, his children needed somebody else to play with. And so he wanted to take them over there where they could play with people their age he came into office one Sunday morning told me he said well brother Joe we're we're going to go to another place to worship there's more children there my kids age his son married one his daughter married another once twice I think now going on the third time he used to see his son He's got more iron and trinkets in his face. And he's got more marks on his body than you can ever imagine. And his daughter takes about two children, both with a different father. He was more interested in satisfying their wants to play with somebody else 
than to teach them the gospel of Christ. And so he took them at their demand to a place that there were more children like their age. Never did consider that they had to learn the truth. Never considered that they had to be able to defend the faith. Never offered them an opportunity to have that strange thing called conviction. All he was interested in was keeping his children happy and his wife off his back. He still lives in this area. Now when he goes to services, he's the only one who goes. His wife doesn't even go. Who's his hero that he has taught his children to follow? Who are they emulating but a cowardly man who wouldn't stand up for God when he was needed the most? Who will stand before the judgment bar of God and answer for their soul. They may not even get to the judgment bar. They may have sinned to the place that there's no reason to be there. You see, the people that will stand before the judgment bar of God has, have attained a certain position. They have something to answer with. Listen to the verse again. And a lot of people that read this verse don't read it, but listen. For we all must stand before the judgment bar of Christ. Now listen to this. Now listen. There to give an account for the deeds done in the flesh. Well, if you've not done any deeds, if you've not done anything for the Lord, if you've not been taught the means by which these deeds can be done, there's no reason to stand there. You've already counted yourself unworthy of eternal life. God was inconvenient. Didn't want to serve God on their time. They thought that God ought to come on terms that they could accept. Who's weighed? And in the balance is found wanting. You and I have an opportunity we can teach our children the gospel of Christ. We can stand in the breach and cause them to serve the Lord because of the example we set. Or we can go another way. One day my father was wakened by my mother from sleep and her uncle who had been one of 12 boys that had been baptized into Christ from his family, had passed away. And he had always been the outside member of the family. Yeah, he made himself that way. You know, sometimes people are outsiders because they want to be. His last name started with a D. And so what he was asked to do by Mama was to write this guy a poem before he died, kind of wake him up. So he said, may I get you a pencil and paper and write this down to introduce myself. I'm Mr. D. The next lines that follow are all about me. 
For the 81 years that God has let me live, not a thing in return to him did I give. I made a few friends, put some money in the bank, entertained myself with the beer that I drank. But these hands work for me and not for the Lord, and my selfish gain is my only reward. These hands, now still in death, were used as my lips to profane God's holy name. When you walk by my casket, look down in my face. You'll be seeing a man that rejected God's grace. Oh, I'll be dressed up and my clothes will be arranged with care. And a smile on my face won't mean you can tell that I'm not there. And all the joys that I have made myself happy with in this life have caused me nothing but sorrow and pain and strife. Yeah, I'll be all dressed up in funeral clothes, but I've got no place to go. We all will stand before the judgment bar of Christ to give an account of the deeds done in the flesh if we've had enough faith to do so. But if we determine that we don't have that faith and we're too selfish and we won't teach our children and we won't be the ones responsible and take the helm and make sure that boat goes to the right harbor, what will we say when we answer to the judge of all the world? If you're here and you need to respond to the invitation of the gospel, the opportunity is yours. Jesus commands you to believe and be baptized to be saved. The only thing you're going to take from this world, my friend, is your soul and spirit. You're going to leave the body behind. And it doesn't matter. I had a guy tell me the other day that he spent $9,000 at the dentist office. I just can't figure out what you'd do with $9,000 in my mouth. Do you know what they said? he said he was going to have put on his casket? Here lies a man that spent $9,000 at the dentist office and died of a toothache. I mean, come on, folks. It may not be comical. It's too serious not to be understood. We're spending all of our time on the wrong world and in the wrong place unless we live looking toward God. As we continue to grow the church and carry the legacy of Joe David Wilson, in this next segment, you will hear sermons from the current preachers here at the Port St. Lucie Church of Christ. But tonight I want to look at an experience and look at even the family life of those of this nation. Many of those that are in poverty and that are on assistance and need help are of single parent families. Usually a mother trying to raise two or three children. Even the abortion issue that exists in this country today. We look at these issues and we believe that they to be social problems that we need to solve. 
But you see, when God withdraws his hand and the spiritual need of this nation and its people, all facets of those things suffer. Our social life, our political life, our military, and our family life especially. It has now become acceptable in this country for the females, for women of this nation, to have illicit sex with whoever they wish, whenever they want. Because of their liberalistic demands upon the people of God and its laws of the past, they have instituted and been effective in the sense that they have established the idea that no one can tell them what to do with their body. Well, the partial result of that is the fact that when they have these illicit sex, sexual encounters, the men not being held responsible, the women go and seek to destroy that which their sin has created. And we call that abortion. And let us not forget and learn from the past that the religion of Baal, Molech of a different language, the same God, they, people of those times offered their children up for sacrifice to their God, Baal. Burning them, offering their bodies, exactly as what we do today, as what we call abortion. Even the idea of the separating and the dissecting of those babies and their bodies and their body parts to be sold as cattle, to be sold as pieces of flesh, not to be considered for the creation that God has given us within ourselves and within men and women that we have the opportunity to produce. Our greatest commandment is to go and populate the world, regenerate the world with children who have been raised in the word and been raised in the idea of the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We as a nation have fallen from that, fallen from that idea. There are so many things now that we look at and we consider that we need to take into consideration as far as our conduct as a nation. How could we expect the blessings of our God as we had in the past? How can we no longer, or why do we no longer, are called that city, bright city on a hill? Why are we not considered among other nations as a Christian nation? Why are we not considered among other men as that bastion of Christian religion? Yes, we talk about freedom of religion. But without the challenges and obstacles of other philosophies, religious philosophies, Paul's words, not mine, do we have the challenge to study and show ourselves approved of our God? America Day, we ask ourselves, what's happened to our country? The greatest government, this is from a historical buff, that has ever existed, blessed above all nations, and the progenitor of the spreading of the good news of salvation. Might we understand again as a people that prior to the gift of the cross, man had no options, no hope, nothing to look forward to except the grave and its eternal nothingness. Love has provided a new way, a second chance, a lease on eternity. And of course, we all realize that being a part of all this all over this all over plan to fill eternity with our thanksgiving. What has happened to America? Yes, it's easy to say that sin has happened. The rejection of that love given freely. If there is one thing I've learned since my enlightenment is that God doesn't stay where he's not wanted. So regardless of what man thinks, God is... He is universally exactly the opposite. 
He isn't at our beck and call. He isn't fooled by our lukewarmness, and he isn't fooled by our unappreciation. I often think of the ten leopards and the cleansing of the ten leopards. Nine went away, and you never heard from them. One came back and thanked the cleanser, he who made him whole, he who did away with all his physical issues to give him a second chance and a second look on life. So what lies ahead for us? We've learned nothing from the rejections of the past. He who ignores the lessons of the past are doomed to repeat it. But our conclusion is that we have reached a point in time where there is but one answer for us. The resolution of the things that have happened to this nation and its people, its foundations, its laws, its social structure, its political environment, which now contains people who have no intention of obeying the very laws they pass. The greatness of our military has diminished to the point where it's, we're no longer feared. Our friends, friendly nations, no longer trust us. And our family life and environment has deteriorated to a point in time and even that the reproduction policies and environment that God has given to men and women has been destroyed and neglected to a point where we don't know our God anymore. The sad part about that is there was a period of time when men's eyes were open and their ears were open. But those times have been changed. Those times have come to a point in time where our eyes are no longer open and our ears no longer hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But our hope for the future and the things that we consider and look forward to are those situations and uh, environments where we consider the fact that there, this nation has two ways to go. It has a period of time to face the issues that all individuals and all nations must face. We must look at the issues and realize that we are a nation of sinners. We have turned our back on our God as individuals and as a nation. I want to read John 10.21 for us to get an idea of what uh, God had in store for this nation and what has happened to us. Sadly, these things and these quotes written, written in red, observed by our Father and God's Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, are expressed in John 10.21. Others said that these are not the words of him that hath an evil, hath a devil, I'm sorry. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Has Christ made the blind man see with the spittle and with the power of the very spit of his mouth? Can we understand and realize what kind of a God and what kind of a powerful God that we have. We must pray and hope for and wish for a time of restoration of, for this nation. That Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and our God would open again the eyes of the men and the people of this nation. That their ears might be opened to hear the gospel and to once again come into a situation where we accept it, where we understand, where we appreciate. You know, there was a period of time in this nation when what we call in the late 20s and early 30s the Depression. Ec economically, this nation was in economic ruin. 
But there was also a period of time at the same time that the Dust Bowl of the West, where the physical famine was withheld, was caused, and the uh, food was withheld. A period of time of serious awakening within the nation, a look of people that would look from within, a period of time when the churches were full, that many and most said they believed in God and Jesus Christ. In this time of depravity for this nation, people turned to their God. And unfortunately, Israel of the past and the spiritual Israel today looks for a period of time when they will be restored and their lives may be renewed. But you see, spiritual famine is different from physical famine. Physical famine we see. We can touch it, taste it, realize it. Many people do not realize that it is a warning or a condition that God has said to bring to those of that, that do not believe the idea of understanding that he is God and that he rules all things. Jesus Christ has been recognized by his Father that he has authority and power over all things. And we realize that even Satan cannot open the eyes of sinful men. Mark 8, 18, I want to read that. Get an opportunity for us to again to appreciate and look at the issues that we do not sometimes see as children of God. Mark 8, 18 says this. Having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear you not. And do you not remember? Again, words of red. Words in red. Written by John Mark. Uh, a Jew expressing to himself and to his people and to the world and for prosperity. That only God has the opportunity to open eyes and open ears. That the gospel will be heard. The changing of men's heart is probably the greatest miracle that has ever happened and performed. And we have to have hope and faith that God once again will smile upon this nation and do those very things. But you see, without him, and without the influence of the Holy Spirit, and without the call and the, and the uh, desire of our God through the Holy Spirit to speak to men's hearts, those days, days are short and we long and pine for the opportunity that all men will once again hear that message. Matthew 6.10 tells us that our prayer should be this. We're going to look at Matthew 6.10 and uh, have an opportunity to express uh, the way men's hearts should be. And again, these words are in red. They're of the words of the very God that many in denominationalism and those that say they believe in the God of the Old Testament and they believe in his son and they proclaim themselves to be obedient children when we realize they are not. But Matthew 6.10 says this, that our prayer should be this, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't matter uh, what men think or men realize or men appreciate or think they can change and do. 
The church will endure until Christ returns. The Lord's Supper will be observed. His bride and the preparation every first day of the week and the observation of those things which he has commanded us to do will be done. Our understanding should be this, that when Christ taught the apostles to pray, their prayer should be that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, whether people want to admit that or understand it or appreciate it or recognize it, it's going to be done that way. His will is going to be done. Regardless of the stature and the standing of this nation or the people of this nation or any nation, now, the Lord's Supper, some call communion, uh, will be practiced and continue on. The church and the bride are hid in the cleft of the rock. Christ, the observation and the worship, proper worship of Jesus Christ will be done till his return. It might be done in Canada. The United, it may not continue in the United States. It might be done in Mexico, China, uh, some other nation, but it will live on. And we in this nation have not accepted or appreciated the blessings of heaven. And if this were to be, it's something that we need to be enlightened and renewed in our spirit for our return to our God. But first of all, we need to realize that his will be done. That should be our prayer. That should be our consideration. That the church of Christ, the bride, the body continues to prepare itself for his return. And continue to wear the white robes that we are given. That we can understand and appreciate the greatness and the love that our God has given to us. What we should pray for is a spiritual awakening to happen in this country for the kingdom's sake. That this nation once again would be the uh, operation of God to spread the gospel and Bibles and missionaries and the word to go forth from this great shining city. But we've not had, we've fallen from that position because of our own personal sin. But we should pray for God to open the eyes and the ears of men who have not heard the gospel. Those of the last 20 years, or younger people, have no concept of what our God and Jesus Christ is all about. We have failed to carry that message to our, to our youth. Yes, there are those that we're here on occasion, and yes, the Church of Christ continues, and yes, we continue to grow. And on occasion, we have people that will uh, make their public confession, uh, proclaim Jesus Christ as the uh, Son of God, that he is the Savior of their soul. And yes, we have people that are baptized and brought into the kingdom and brought in as part of the bride that begin this new life and this new opportunity to serve our living God. If you enjoyed today's sermon, read our regularly updated blog for insightful articles by visiting us online at pslchurchofchrist.com. If you would like to watch previous sermons, they can be viewed on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pslchurchofchrist. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pslchurchofchrist. Or if you prefer to visit us in person, to learn more on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m., as well as Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m., and you can visit us at 384 East Midway Road next to Walgreens. See you next week.